This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Pour yourself a cold one. They strike him, huh? And listen to Russ Tucker break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of The College Draft. Yeah, it is Daddy Soda time here on the College Draft Podcast presented by DraftKings. I am Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years. You guys know that. Bunch of podcasts. You know that as well. I had Stu Gatz from the Dan Levitard Show on today's Ross Tucker football podcast. Some very interesting discussions as it relates to Tua Tungle-Vailoa versus Justin Herbert. What a trade between those two guys, or those two teams at least, would look like, as well as whether or not Dan Marino is the greatest fan creator in NFL history. I say yes, meaning he created more fans of a single team than I believe any other player has, at least since I've been alive, back in 19. 19- 79. Check me out on social at Ross Tucker NFL at Ross Tucker Pod. We do the college draft once a week, early in the week. It is the combination, we think the perfect combination of college football and the NFL draft. So if you like college football, we'll be talking about the biggest games, the best players. If you like the NFL draft, we'll be talking about the best prospects. And what we're finishing up these next two weeks. Before we take a look back to a draft a little bit ago, we are going over every single draft pick in the 2021 NFL draft because people don't spend enough time on it. People move on. It's terrible. Like, we spend all this time leading up to it, and then the draft happens and we spend one show on it afterwards? No. We're not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. And Emery Hunt, most importantly, is not going to do that. Check him out on Twitter at FBall Game Plan. He's Football Game Plan on YouTube. He's a YouTube star. FootballGamePlan.com slash 2021 Draft Guide. You see him all over CBS Sports HQ. And obviously those of you that are loyal listeners or viewers on YouTube, YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. You are very familiar at this point. I got to ask you, Emery, this is something I was talking about with Stugatz. What do you think the Dolphins would have to give the Chargers to get Justin Herbert? So, like, Tua plus what to the Chargers to get Herbert? I would say Tua plus either one of their wideouts, but they're stacked at wide receiver, or Byron Jones, but they're pretty stacked at corner. So I would look to where the Dolphins or, or where the uh, Chargers need help. Probably some more, you know, guys at the second level. So who's their best linebacker? It would have to be Tua plus their best linebacker slash pass rusher and also um, a third-round pick just to put icing on the cake, you know? Honestly, man, Tua and two first-round picks, 
I'm still not sure the Chargers do it. I mean, yeah. Herbert was awesome last year. The jury's still out on Tua. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know if the Chargers do that. I mean, what do you think? No, I wouldn't. Why would you do it if you're the Chargers? You you've seen this guy play well. You still have the wait and see approach with Tua. It's the bird in the hand, two in the bush type scenario where, hey, we're gonna dance with the devil we know, and that's Herbert, and we can try to maximize the talent out of him versus. You know, what's in the mystery box of Tua Tagovailoa? It's not saying that Tua is, is not a good quarterback. It's that we've seen Herbert play well, and we like the continuity. We want to build there with him, with these receivers, with this passing game, and we're just going to roll with the guy we have. Let's get into the NFC South stuff uh, because it's obviously a division near and dear to your heart. It's the seventh of the eighth divisions we are going over. So if you missed your team or your division, go back and listen or watch on YouTube because we're going over every pick because nobody's better at knowing every guy. Emery also brings up undrafted guys. I don't even ask him about them, and Emery will bring them up. Let's go to the Atlanta Falcons. They had a bunch of picks, actually. First round, Kyle Pitts. I mean, we spent so much time talking about him. I think that would be a waste. But rounds two and three. Richie Grant, the safety from UCF, and Jalen Mayfield, the offensive tackle from Michigan in the third round that people had been acting like was a first-rounder for a while. Yeah, and here's the thing. Pitts was my number one flex tight end, so keep that in mind in terms of where I had these guys ranked. So number one flex. Richie Grant was my number one strong safety, and the comparison I had for Richie Grant was uh, um, Dawkins from the Eagles. And the reason why I compared him to Dawkins because when you think about what he can do, he can match up, you know, in a slot. He has good awareness in terms of understanding the passing game. He's aggressive and explosive upon contact if you're talking about him as an alley defender in the downhill run game. And he has ball skills. And so when you think about all of those traits, all of those things that we saw from Brian Dawkins, not only at Clemson but also uh, in the NFL – Richie Grant does a lot of those same things. So I thought this was a home run selection. Mayfield gives them someone that has upside. They're pretty solid along the offensive line. They've invested heavily in that position or in that unit. The last couple of drafts, two first-round picks, and then you get a guy in Hennessy uh, out of Temple that's going to develop into uh, you know a pretty good, i say, a perennial Pro Bowl player. Um, so they want to get more depth with a guy that has room to grow, and that's Mayfield. That's why – Getting him where they did in the third round made so much sense. People had him going in the first. I don't think he was as consistent to go in the first round, but getting him in round three gives you that wiggle room to develop him and grow him into what you want him to be, ultimately in year two as a starter up front. Round four, they got Darren Hall, the corner from San Diego State. I know you love the DBs from San Diego State. They got Drew Dahlman, the center from Stanford. I know people that really liked him, Chris Dahlman's kid. Those are their two fourth-round picks. Dolman is along the same line of Mayfield depth that can prov- that you provide up front, just retooling the depth behind their front-line starters with good players. So love that they were able to invest in the offensive line because that's critical. And Hall was my number two slot safety or combo safety. That's a guy that can play either safety position while also can double down as a nickel corner. So obviously I thought – their secondary picks of both Grant and Darren Hall were tremendous because, again, Hall is someone 
that can play out there as a corner if need be, has great instincts in the ball skills that I always covered in defensive backs. So then let's get to round five. Taquan Graham, a D tackle from Texas, and a D end from Notre Dame. Atatukumbo, um, Ogundeji. Both depth guys. If you look at <laughs> right, hey, you said it. I, I, I'm not going to even try to say it. Uh, but you look at both of those selections, and a question everyone had going into the draft was where the Falcons were going to find, you know, depth along the defensive line, or were they going to take her? Uh, were they going to take a pass rusher? Um, they didn't, but they got guys that could help provide good depth along the defensive line. That's what you get in those defensive players uh, right there in the fifth round. Um, after that. I got to look it up because this happens to my computer and it goes crazy. So let me get their last two picks, Emery. Hold on one second. Oh, my gosh. Now it's really going crazy. I, I, I have you. They have they drafted Avery Williams in the fifth round out of Boise State and uh, Frank Darby in the sixth round wide receiver out of Arizona State. And what's interesting about those two, remember we talked about Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts, number one flex tight end. Darren Hall, number two. Uh, combo safety. Richie Grant, number one strong safety. Frank Darby was my number one inside wide receiver. And Avery Williams out of Boyd State was my number three slot corner. So I'm loving what the Falcons have done uh, in this draft. Frank Darby is a big guy. Plays big because I was surprised that he measured in at six feet, two, 200 pounds because when you watch him out there on the field, he looks like, or he plays like he's 6'4", 230. Um, so he can handle those physical duties along the, the the interior of the defense, but also on the outside does a good job in winning, you know, one-on-one versus press coverage and has a great hand. So no bad throw going his way is going to be a bad throw because he has a great catch radius. And now when they drafted, I was like, wow, they, they got Frank Darby. How is he going to get on the field? You know, with what they have out there at receiver with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, or Russell Gage, and now Kyle Pitts. Well, we know one guy is not going to be there now and Julio Jones. So look for them to expedite that process for Frank Darwin. I think he could handle it. And people sleep on Avery Williams. Number one, he's your day one, you know, gunner, special teamer. It's going to be great to watch those guys try to figure out how to put Avery Williams and Cordero Patterson back deep on kickoffs and punts because both of those guys are outstanding elite level returners. But I do feel like people – uh, underestimate Avery Williams' ability as a defensive back because he was stellar at corner and can also play safety in the pinch. So you look at what they had in a guy like Ricardo Allen when he came out of college. I think they have someone like that, a little bit more explosive dynamic in Avery Williams. And, uh, and also, undrafted free agents, we talked about that. Look at the part of that draft with the – man, they didn't get someone to, to really groom behind Matt Ryan where they signed Felipe Franks. Oh, they didn't really get so, uh, a tailback. They have a gaping hole for a tailback. They were able to get Javion Hawkins out of Louisville as an undrafted free agent. So I thought this was an A-plus draft for Atlanta. Let's get to the Carolina Panthers. Uh, round two, Terrace Marshall. We know that in round one they took J.C. Horn. We spent a lot of time on him. Round two, Terrace Marshall. It appears, Emery, that Terrace would have gone higher. There were some issues about a medical there. It were all the reports that came out after the draft. What was he as a player? Really good player. Sort of similar to what Justin Jefferson was. Someone that's a taller guy, uh, a good catch-and-run player as well. And, you know, someone that was playing his best ball in the beginning of the season. And as LSU season went away, 
he decided to opt out. And it's it can I can understand the mindset of someone getting frustrated when you are the the primary target at receiver. Meanwhile, your team is cycling through quarterbacks all throughout the season. So Carolina is getting someone that's similar to Justin Jefferson in the sense that he has the same body type, same type of skill set, and also the same type of position versatility to play any one of the three receiver spots. Round three, Carolina took Brady Christensen, who I believe you like in the third round, and Tommy Tremble. Christensen's the lineman from BYU. Tremble, the tight end from Notre Dame. Tremble was my number one H-back, and Christensen was my number two offensive tackle prospect. So you're right. I love both of those selections. Christensen could even play guard and probably is going to see time very early uh, within that starting five. And I thought they got a steal with, with the lineman out of BYU. And Trimble, we both talked about this, how the stats may not show it, but you watch him play and you see the explosiveness. You see the the uh, the upside. You see the versatility. And he's another one of these players that's going to be a better pro than they were in college because of how he was utilized at Notre Dame. He's good on, on all phases of offense, blocking, carrying the football, and also as a receiver. Love it. How about the next two guys? In round four, they took Chuba Hubbard, the running back from Oklahoma State. Round five, their first pick was Davion Nixon, the D-tackle from Iowa. Hubbard is a speed guy. And so when you look at their depth chart behind Christian McCaffrey, it was hit or miss. Uh, but now you have a guy that can give you the same level of explosiveness and big playability as a Christian McCaffrey. Now, vision is where he has to really hone in and work on, but there's no denying the fact that if he has a lane, get the extra point team out there because it's going to be a touchdown. He can go. And Nixon was my number one defensive tackle. I think he's an ideal three-tech, and I think when you look at what he was able to do at Iowa, quick off the ball, working with his hands, beating one-on-one blocks, getting into the backfield, being disruptive, those traits translate to the next level. So another steal, in my opinion, for Carolina. I know you like Washington DBs as well. Round five and six, next couple picks. Keith Taylor, the cornerback from Washington, and Deontay Brown, one of the thickest O-linemen I've seen in a long time, the guard from Alabama. 6'5", 330, big dancing bears, people like to say. And that's what you want on the interior. I also feel as though he can play right tackle if you need him to. But investing in the offensive line with good players from a program that does a good job of developing offensive linemen. So I know people had questions about his weight, but I think he carries it very well and moves well for a guy that's that big. And I thought that was a really good value pick. And you talk about the corner um Keith Taylor, long, lanky corner, good press skills, uh, good ability off the ball. Uh, and so he is able to read, react, and drive on the football. So they're getting good players. They double down along the offensive line. They double down in the secondary. They double down with pass catches. So across the board, this was a really good draft for Carolina. Round six, we're not talking about the long snapper. We don't talk about long snappers. Like the guy in the movie who says he's not drinking freaking Merlot. We're not talking about long snappers. Although, to take a long snapper in the sixth round. I mean, what are we doing? What are we doing, Matt Rule? Uh, but let's go to Shai Smith, the receiver from South Carolina. I thought he was underrated over the middle of the field. Uh, I see someone that's very good at the contact point, at the catch point, um, and, and shows a knack for – uh, creating things after the catch. So to me, you get a workmanlike receiver 
cut from the same cloth as a DJ Moore. I'm not saying he's as dynamic outside the numbers like Moore is, but you talk about a physical tough guy, that's Smith. So to me, that screams core special teamer early on, working himself into the rotation uh, by the season's end. Last pick was Phil Hoskins, a D-tackle from Kentucky. I love Phil Hoskins. Like I said before, this was a unique nose tackle class, probably one of the better ones we've seen in about five years, where you see these big girthy guys, you know, 6'5", 340, with quick feet, quick hands, and a little bit of pizzazz in terms of getting to the quarterback. So depth guy helps fill the need up front along the interior line, um, especially when you look at what they drafted last year and and what they already have in Kawan Short. Um, so they're going to try to get better and, and better depth behind those guys. I'm talking about uh, Derek Brown and, and Short has now moved on. Um, but I think Hoskins has an outside chance of, of really playing a significant role as a rookie. You, that's why they double down that defensive tackle. You, you think about uh, when we talk about with Nixon and now Hoskins, although he's a later round pick, but he's definitely one of one on that roster at the, in that depth chart. Okay, before we move on to the New Orleans Saints, I did want to make sure people know you can ask Emory questions on the show. All you have to do is take advantage of any of our sponsors that you either hear on this show, like DraftKings, or that you hear on other shows, like today on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast with Raycon Earbuds. Like either one, you are good to go. And this week, again, they have unbelievable stuff going on at DraftKings, including the Casino Champ Series. These Champ Series, I'm going to be telling you guys a lot about the Champ Series over the next few weeks. Do you realize how many millionaires they're making with these Champ Series? Right now, they've got the Casino Champ Series going. Download the DraftKings app now. DraftKings Casino app. Listen, they are literally giving you a shot at a share of $5 million in total prizes. On top of the cash prizes, they also have offering prizes ranging from a new luxury car to a free ride in a private jet. Just make sure you use the promo code ROSS to get a shot of the $5 million in total prizes when entering DraftKings Casino Legends Series. That's promo code ROSS. To earn a shot at a share of $5 million in total prizes only on DraftKings Casino. I like it. I think it's the first time I've ever told you guys about DraftKings Casino. All right. Emery, this is your squad, man. The New Orleans Saints. You grew up there. You love them. That's your team. A lot of people had a lot of questions about the first-round pick, Peyton Turner. And I actually liked that pick. I thought it should have been Asante Samuel. Uh, because they, they had, to me, they had a, a gaping need at corner outside of Marshall and Lattimore. But when you get Peyton Turner, and this is funny because in my scouting guide, um, you see the comp I had for Peyton Turner was Marcus Davenport. And then fast forward to uh, minicamp and OTAs, you hear Marcus Davenport talk about Peyton Turner saying he is a lot like I was or like me, and he's better than I was when I came out in, you know, in a draft. So it aligns. The Saints are trying to, you know, add more pass rushers. They brought in Tano passing you in the offseason. Peyton Turner, while many thought it was a head scratcher, he was my number two, four, three defensive end. Um, and so they got a really good player that probably wasn't going to be on the board the second time 
uh, coming around to their pick in the second round. So they had to go get him. I, I get that part, although I'd rather it would have been one of the top corners. But getting someone that can affect the pocket and affect the passing game is just as good as getting someone that can affect it on the back end. Second round linebacker Pete Werner from Ohio State. What do you think? This is where we went off the rails because Pete Werner, to me, is someone uh, that's more of a core special teamer. Um, he had some good flash plays at Ohio State, but you just didn't see it over consistency over a full season. And I think that's where there were some issues there because, again, we're talking about a team that needed help at corner. And in the second round, you bypass another opportunity to take someone, uh, you know, like Cameron Bynum out of, you know, Cal, who ended up going in the fourth round to Minnesota. And that's another a guy that I thought was a really good corner. But you take a linebacker and you drafted one last year in Zach Bond, who's going to be more of a your blitzer, your, your, your sandbacker. And so when you look at Werner, you, you understand why, but you don't know how it's going to work uh, in a situation where if you're going to put him on the field, maybe one of his, you know, not one of his best strengths is how he covers. And that's going to be an issue. So to me, this will be one of these wait and see how it turns out. But this was one pick that really had me scratching my head. They did get a corner in round three. Paulston Adebo, who I feel like two years ago people were talking about as a first-round pick. And this is what happens when you are out of sight, out of mind. You know, you talk about him two years ago as a first-round pick, and then he had one bad game against UCF, and everyone, you know, poo-pooed his skills and thought he couldn't play. And then you combine that with also opting out in 2021. So the last time people saw him, they felt as though it was against UCF, although that wasn't the case. But this is someone that has tremendous athleticism and very good ball skills. So, yes, they ended up getting a good corner uh, in round three. But imagine having two good corners on on your roster now as opposed to one good one. Now, they do expect someone um, like Keith Washington Jr. to develop. I like Keith Washington coming out of West Virginia last year. He was an undrafted free agent. He had a great shrine game a week when I was down there back in 2019 uh, or 2020, honestly, um, early 2020. And so, yeah, they have guys on the roster. But Adebo, I think, height, weight, speed guy with ball skills and should see a significant amount of time as a rookie. Round four, Ian Book, quarterback from Notre Dame. I, you know, I like Ian Book, the, the player. I just don't understand the fit here in New Orleans unless they envision him as their QB two. Therefore, they can keep Taysom Hill in a Taysom Hill role. I know folks love uh, Taysom Hill. Uh, the idea of him perhaps being a starting quarterback, but he's like 33 years old um, and is not a starting quarterback caliber of the in, in the NFL, but he's a tremendous athlete, a, a total weapon. He would be the ideal CFL quarterback because in the CFL, they understand the usage of the short yardage goal line quarterback. That's Taysom Hill. And in some cases, that could be Ian Book. But I think Ian Book is a long-term project for uh, Sean Payton, who's going to groom him to be their QB, too, while you know their franchise quarterback right now is Jameis Winston, who we haven't seen play since he got his eyes corrected. So I'm excited to see how he's going to do this year, uh, especially having that whole full season to soak up the system. But the Ian Book pick was like, man, you could have gone anywhere else but quarterback. But like the player, don't understand the fit here, uh, especially where when they took him, because that could have been a position player that could help them in, in 2021. 
Round six, Landon Young, a tackle from Kentucky. Round seven, Kawan Baker, a wide receiver, South Alabama. Big fan of Kawan Baker, man. He was one of my highly graded wide receivers. He is explosive. He's a dynamic player in terms of speed, getting deep down the field. This is the type of player the Saints missed when he, you know, when a guy like Devery Henderson was no longer on the roster or Robert Meacham. The play action pass, go deep. That has been out of the Saints offense since Drew has gotten older and they have lost, uh, you know, the dynamic speed guy on the outside. Even Brandon Cooks, to a certain extent, was that guy. But now with Jameis and a guy like Baker, the deep ball is back in New Orleans. And Landon Young is one of the top high school tackles to come out of Kentucky in quite some time. Goes to Kentucky, local boy, done well for himself there, and he provides good depth. He's a tall guy, too. He's like 6'7", close to 6'8", and gives them good depth up front. The Saints have shown that they are able to develop offensive linemen. All right, next up, last but certainly not least, the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Round one, I know you like Joe Tryon. You talked about him a lot. And we were one of the first places to, to talk about Tryon as a first-round option. And people thought we were crazy. People thought we had 10 heads. People were probably was hitting you up like, what the hell is this Embry Hunt guy talk about some Joe Tryon? Let's talk about Aziz Ojolari. Like, no, this dude got the goods. This dude has the juice. And look what happened. The best team in football last year by judging them winning the Super Bowl got one of the got the best edge rusher, my number one edge rusher in the draft. So, yes, I'm all in on the Joe Tryon hype uh, in Tampa Bay. Round two, Kyle Trask, quarterback from Florida. I forget what you thought about him. I thought he was – if this was 1996, I'm all in on Kyle Trask going in the second round. But when your coach comes out, your head coach, your new head coach, I'm ter- talking about um, uh, uh, Bruce Arians, comes out and compares you to Brad Johnson in a 2021 football era, that's not a good look. You know, I feel like because he doesn't have the athleticism, the the ability to get out of the way and how he doesn't do particularly well versus the blitz, this is someone that doesn't fit today's game. He reminds me a lot of Matt Schaub, and that's who I compared him to um, in, my, in my draft guide. But this is someone to me, especially in the second round, was a big-time reach. Round three, Robert Hainsey from Notre Dame. Round four, uh, North Texas wide receiver Jalen Darden, who had a ridiculous season. Yeah, and I, I like Darden. And you talk about someone that plays bigger than his size. When you're studying prospects, I'm like, all right, he's probably like 6'1", 6 feet, 190. He's like 5'9", 175. I was like, man, this dude plays a big man's game and has a bit of an edge to him and was the target for North Texas and they still couldn't stop him. And so that tells you the type of impact he can have on a football team. He's going to a good situation uh, where they're going to find a way to get him in the mix. We saw this with Tyler Johnson late last season. So I expect the same type of type of pathway for Darden and Hainsey was a really good player, man, at Notre Dame. Talk about, you know, these positions at, at schools, Notre Dame offensive linemen, BYU offensive linemen, you know, San Diego State and Washington defensive backs. Um, you can't go wrong uh, with, with a guy coming out of Notre Dame. I thought he was really good and solid and consistent uh, this season for the Irish. Fifth round linebacker out of Auburn, KJ Britt. He was my number three inside linebacker, thumper, 
arrives in a bad mood, all those cliches you like to say about these inside linebackers, but he reads the, the, the game like the running backs do. So I thought it was impressive. And when you watch him play and how he's always anticipating where the running back is going to go and arriving there with good contact, uh, you know, a power explosiveness, he doesn't miss many tackles. And I like how they're building depth behind their inside linebackers, two good ones, by the way, with guys that are cut from the same cloth. Lastly, round seven, they took Chris Wilcox, a corner from BYU, and Grant Stewart, a linebacker from Houston. I thought Chris Wilcox was an underrated player, long, lanky guy um, that has the good mirror and match skills. And you see, we talk about the Green Bay Packers having a type at wide receiver. The Bucks clearly have a type at corner. Wilcox is the same. He's long, lanky, got some good athleticism coming out of BYU and upside. And Stewart was one of my – he was in my top five as far as inside linebackers is concerned. And you hear the term hair on fire. Uh, it, seems, it seems to always apply to those guys that, whose hair stick out the back of their helmets. But this applies to Stewart. You watch him just fly around the field at Houston and it's in on every play. And then he goes down to Mobile and has a really good week of work at the Senior Bowl. So they got two guys that I really like in my top five in Britt and Stewart as depth guys behind Davis and also uh, um, Devin White. So you look at what you're doing, you're, you're able to take those guys out and give them a breather and put two guys in there, both speedy, athletic, and aggressive on all, all, all sides of the field on defense. Check this man out on social media. He deserves it. He knows all these guys. He's got his rankings. Every time I name a guy, he's like, he's my number three this, my number two this. F-ball game plan on Twitter. Football game plan on YouTube. We usually tag him on Twitter and Facebook when we post the show. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. We're at Ross Tucker Pod. And you can ask him questions. We will have some time this summer. If you got specific questions either about what your team did or if you're more of a college person or you're in the next year's class, you can start firing away on questions for Emory about the 2022 draft, which already sounds weird. Great stuff on Tremble and Richie Grant and Peyton Turner and Kyle Trask. Love it. Those will all be highlight clips posted to YouTube and at Ross Tucker Pod as well. Other than that, the keg is kicked. We are all tapped out. Thanks for listening to the College Draft Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and the Business of Sports. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. A lot of times on the show, I mention DraftKings. Here's what you need to know. you got to be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. By the way, if what I was talking about included a deposit bonus, doesn't always, sometimes it does. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough, and deposit bonuses are paid out in site credit.